What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome into a very special live stream here of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. Chris Vogel here alongside John Hendricks and Jack Colada. We have so much to talk about. We're going to talk about the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade that shook up the Houdat Nation. We'll talk about the 53-man roster, the biggest surprises that came with it, which moves shocked us, which moves are par for the course, and what other moves can be made because this isn't the final 53. I'm sure there will be changes to come. All that coming up on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. As always, the Straight Up Saints podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And with the season coming up, people can bet $5 using promo code BOOT, all capital, and get $200 in free bets instantly at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's a really good deal. And if you're a new customer, take advantage of that opportunity while it lasts now guys look this this was an interesting day it, it was going to start off as us previewing you know and talking about week one and the saints roster and instead it turns out that hey we got a trade to talk about because cj garner johnson gets moved to the philadelphia eagles in exchange for a 2023 fifth round pick and the latter of the eagles two six round draft picks in 2024 so the hall wasn't exactly intriguing, and I know at first when the news breaks, I think all of us basically tweeted, wow, because no one really expected that, at least on a Tuesday. Um, but then when we have more time to digest, more questions come in, more maybe answers come in as well. And uh, overall, it's one of those moves that we won't really get the answer to whether or not it was the right decision till this season plays out. Uh, but overall, guys, what are your, maybe not initial thoughts, but now a couple of hours past, what's your initial reaction? John, will get to you, and then Jack, give us it right after. Yeah, look, again, I get it. People are going to tweak through this. People are going to, to, to question this one. You know, why didn't you let this guy play out this year? Maybe get him signed elsewhere, get a comp pick, all this other stuff. But, you know, look, being there at camp and showing, seeing everything, you know, just walk you back through everything that's happened, right? Gardner Johnson wants the contract, top nickel money, all this other stuff, you know, and, and obviously things weren't working out. He goes to a point where saying, okay, well, I'm just not going to participate in practice. Then we see him kind of running with the second team, the third team, and all this other stuff. Gave guys like Bryce Thompson, obviously he got hurt, but he had a chance to be featured prominently more. Bradley Roby, Elante Taylor, all these types of guys, right? Or even P.J. Williamson. I mean, there this is an area where they get to have a lot more players that could be there, right? Uh, a Tyron Matthew can play there, Um you know, I, I think the biggest thing that people are going to miss is the energy that he brings. And I think that's the question and the thing that sits is, is hard to sit with right now, given that you made this move. Right. And look, this guy, I, I everything, my understanding, the contract talks were just not going to be there. The two sides were pretty far apart on them. Uh, and, and so, look, you make a move, get some draft capital and look, you wish the player well. And, and obviously Dennis Allen said that at his press conference today that, you know, look, a big reason why this defense changed was because of what C.J. Gardner-Johnson brought to the table. And look, um, you know, again, I know he's going to be missed, but at the same time, give Bradley Roby a chance, give Taylor a chance, give these guys an opportunity. I know it may not look the same, feel the same, be the same, the swagger. It's the same thing that you see with not having Quan Alexander in the mix, right? And again, having time to digest it, you understand it. I wish they could have got a better haul on the draft picks, uh, you know, that was my only hang up is I understand them moving the player, getting compensation. That's the only thing I don't like is that the compensation not being where it needs to be. And then look for Gardner Johnson, a player that 
if the contract situation didn't work out the way it needed to, could that have infected the locker room? It, it may have. I, I don't know. That's a question we'll just not get an answer to, right? But, look, he's going to be missed. Demario spoke highly of him. Tyron spoke highly of him. Everybody's going to speak highly of him because that's a brother that you're going to miss on the field. But there's the things that you just kind of are going to have to wait and see, and he gets a better opportunity to start and play in Philly as a starting safety now. And so, you know, they're going to have to, I mean, deal with that and his contract and where he goes. So, I mean, good for him because I think he's in a great spot, but I think the Saints will be okay right now without him. Yeah, and I would I would just add on to that. I mean, on paper, and I think John mentioned a lot of this, on paper, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? And I know it's hard from a Saints fan's perspective because of the passion and the electricity. I mean, we can use so many different words to talk about igniting fire, right, and bringing uh, power and confidence and electricity, literally. I mean, the man had electricity flowing through his uh, flowing through his veins, um, and that's not just on the field. That's not just him bowing up to Tom Brady in that in that iconic picture. That's not just him drop kicking the Falcons logo. That's how he really is in the practice facility. And as the music comes on to start stretching and to start drills and things like that, and John and I have seen that up close, but the, the big takeaway um, that I can add on to what John said about losing a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce, C.G., C.J., G.J., whatever you want to call him, is off the paper. On the paper, we can fill we can fill that spot. Maybe not as well as CJ would have played the nickelback, but you have guys like PJ Williams, Bradley Roby, and some some depth at at safety and defensive back, and and the ability again for PJ Williams to step step up and play that nickelback role and uh, and and you know cover some linebackers. But at the end of the day, it's off the paper and in the locker room, and that excitement during games that he brings not only to to players but clearly to fans and, and obviously Saints Twitter community, as you can see from some of the reactions today. Yeah, that's certainly fair. You guys bring up great points. And honestly, to kind of, I guess, almost triple down on that point, I, I don't think it's a, a concern for me. When I see this trade go down, and it's similar to what you guys said, I don't think of it like, oh, man, in terms of talent, who are they replacing him with? Because I think the Saints kept Bradley Roby for a reason. And let's be real. A lot of us, when Elante Taylor got drafted, were all questioning, is this a replacement for someone? Why do you make that move? So it's not like the Saints haven't done a good job of bringing in DBs. I would still argue that it's one of their best groups, if not their best group, on the roster. You could still play Bradley Roby. You could play Elante Taylor. You could play P.J. Williams. Tyron Matthew has experience in the slot. They'll have options. I'm not worried about that. But what I am interested about, and, and for those listening, if you do have comments or questions, drop them in. We will get to them uh, later on the show, so don't worry. You're not being uh, neglected here. You will have your chance to shine. Um, here's the thing. We talk about the value right, that you get in return, and we talk about energy and what he brings to the locker room. And you know, Someone brought up a good point how the team, when he wasn't on the field last year, they looked different. In your minds, for both of you, and, and we'll kind of flip this, Jack. I'm curious, and then John, you know, get this one to me. I'm, I'm curious here. Would you deal with whatever maybe potential headache is going on behind the scenes or whatnot? Because it's like, hey, is a fifth and sixth round pick going to do that much for me? I guess that would be the argument, right? Because we talked about the Saints and every move they've kind of made this offseason. For the most part, I would say they made it with their eyes on this season, right? You keep Jameis Winston. You get Jarvis Landry. You trade up for Olave. You bring in the Honey Badger. You don't make those moves if you don't think you can compete right now. So I still think the Saints, in their mind, and rightfully so, think they're going to compete this year. But if you yeah. think you're going to compete this year, can you argue that it would be better to keep Gardner-Johnson 
and try and work out whatever's going on behind the scenes over getting a fifth and sixth round pick? Or do we get to the point where the locker room stuff just can't be, you know, an issue for a team like this? And they say, hey, let's cut bait. I'm curious as to where you guys would stand on that type of question, because that's probably the one thing me and, and probably a lot of people today have been battling. And I, I think it's clear. Great point, Chris. I, I think it's clear among a lot of Saints media, and I don't want to speak for John, but among the three of us, that, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, uh, we did not get the value uh, that we would have liked from that trade. Um, but having said that, uh, whether he was problematic, problematic or a headache in the locker room, um, I think that was certainly something that the Saints could deal with and, and help uh, grow and mature uh, that guy, especially with some elite veterans and very mature people like Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Tyran Matthew in the building. Uh, I know Tyran Matthew had, and I, I'm just speaking on what we heard in press conferences today. I know Tyran Matthew had an interesting look on his face, I'll say. I wouldn't say it was a happy face. I wouldn't say it was an overly sad face. But I, I would say that it's it was a reactionary face of, you know, this this is real. This is part of the business. And and maybe he had become, you know, close friends with this guy and seen him as a little brother. And so that stinks to know that maybe he could have molded into this really high character guy, not just the electricity and the energy he brings on the field physically, but also that he could grow um, from, you know, a, a mental standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. And so um, ultimately, I, I don't think we got the value, nearly the value uh, that, that this guy um, that, you know, that this guy equals up to uh, in that trade. But I, I will add um, that I think I think he's uh, going to bring a lot to the Eagles defense, you know, and at the end of the day, um, from from what Dennis Allen said, Chris, today, uh you know, it's the standard phrase that a coach should say, we're doing what's best for the football team. But you could even hear Dennis Allen started his press conference today with, this is a very difficult decision. And, um, you know, he was a fan of C.J. Gardner-Johnson is what I've gathered. I don't think he said that word for word, but from what I gathered, he, he respected him as a football player. Yeah, look, I, I think when you look at this, um, it's probably the best value that they could have got right now. And again, Things can happen. Um, you know, you think about things in the back pocket, like if Sean Payton comes back to coaching, you're going to get compensation off that. You could use that fifth pick mm. in the fifth rounder, that sixth rounder, Good package point. it, get up something if you wanted to. Um, you know, I, again, we talked about before the, the values of some of these guys that had contracts expiring. And look, be honest with you, CJ Gardner Johnson wasn't at the top of the list. For me, it's Eric McCoy. And if you say it's not Eric McCoy, I don't know what game you're watching because Eric McCoy is the guy that I believe if you're going to extend or sign or get some deal done with anybody, he's that guy. Then maybe you look at Marcus Davenport. Then you look at maybe it's David Onyemata. You know, I don't think CJ Gardner Johnson was at the top of the list. And, you know, again, could it have soured things in the, in, in, in the long term? Possibly. I mean, you know, hat tip to, to Nick Underhill and, and what he wrote today at Orleans.football saying that he wasn't taken to coaching. So I pointed out the talking that he was demoted to second and third teams at some points in training camp or not. I wouldn't say demoted, but that's where he was running in some points of training camp. And so that's what's concerning to me is not taking to coaching um, and such. And that's, that's probably a big issue that things could have soured. Things could have gotten worse there. Um, you know, he's an electric player. And he's somebody that's going to do 
really good things, hopefully, in the next level. And again, he's in a situation where the, the, the ability for him to get his next contract is on him because he's going to be featured in a more prominent role. So you've kind of talked about yourself a good bit, and now is your chance to really shine here with the Eagles. And so um, that's really going to be one of those remains to be seen because, you know, if he does go to another – if let's just play it out. If he played for the Saints and mm-hmm. then he goes get somebody else – the comp formula could be only a six round pick. And so now you feel like, okay, well, I got two picks out of him. And, uh, you know, obviously you gave back the seventh. I don't know why they had to give back a seventh, but that's kind of chump change. But, you know, fifth year round pick this year, DeMarco Jackson, he didn't make the roster or because he, he was hurt. Jordan Jackson didn't make the roster. I mean, that's kind of a throwaway too. So maybe package those up and, and use it. But, you know, long-term wise, could something have happened? Yeah, I could see that. But at the same time, he was out there. He was available. He was doing things. He was coaching up a lot of these younger players. You know, guys like Vincent Gray, Demarcus Fields, who didn't make this team, they can come back on the practice squad. And I'm not so sure that those guys can be molded into the slide if they needed them. Um, you know, but again, you're missing the energy that he brings. And I think that's going to be the big focal point because when he wasn't in the lineup last year, the energy was not there. They – pretty flat if you will and so they're gonna have to find that elsewhere and produce it and so it's a tough spot to be in it's a tough business of course you look at the final cuts i understand some of them but some of those are hard to do but um you know i think this is a move that you look at a year later and say did they make the best move or not and I, i feel like losing a piece like that is not the worst thing that could happen to them um you know if i look at the defensive players they could lose and then, you know, is C.J. Gardner-Johnson a top five? Probably, but is he top three? I don't think so. So I don't yeah. think he's one of those players that you lose and you're just like, okay, I, I think this team is, is shot in the foot. I think it's more guys like Tyron or DeMario or Cam Jordan or Davenport. Those are the guys you can't afford to lose on your defense for any amount of time. Yeah, that's a great point, John. And, and kind of, you know, what you mentioned before, you talked about Nick Underhill, and, and obviously I'm sure most Saints fans have checked it out. If not, definitely go check out what he put on at New Orleans Stop Football. If it is to the point where, hey, you know, you're going to start messing with culture and we're at week one, and this is Dennis Allen's first year as the head coach, I, I totally understand it, and I can get that. And and I'll go to this, and I talked about, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson earlier this year, and I always thought if they could pay him as a slot corner, then I would keep him because the slot corners don't necessarily make that much money in today's NFL, I mean, a guy like Mike Hilton makes, I believe, four-year 24. It's nothing crazy. But he is going to play safety. That would definitely, if he plays well, dictate more money. And look, I mean, Marcus Williams left. The Saints aren't afraid to put a price. And if it goes over the price, you walk and they'll figure it out. And they've actually done a good job of being proactive because now you're not worrying about finding the replacement. They feel like they have the in-house, which makes things a lot more comfortable. We'll talk about CJ Garner Johnson later on in the show. So if you do have questions about him, make sure to drop it in. We'll definitely discuss. But let's get into the Saints 53 man roster. This is going to change. I mean, rosters always change, but this is kind of what we got at least for now. And and I think the biggest takeaway, well, there's a few, but the main one that we'll definitely talk about for now is the wide receiver position. I mean, we all knew Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, uh, Deontay Hardy. They were making the thing. And and I thought after the way Callaway played the last couple of games. He kind of solidified his spot, so that's not really, uh, you know, something that shocked us there. But the debate came down to, hey, do you keep Traquan Smith? Do you keep Kirk Merritt? Do you keep neither? What's going to be the situation? Well, Traquan Smith makes the roster. We'll see he's dealing with an injury, and Kirk Merritt gets released. That didn't necessarily sit well with some fans, and I think it comes down to this. 
I don't know if your wide receiver six really is going to be leaned on anyway to make certain plays, but in the event they have to, Traquan A knows the system. They love his run blocking, whether people like it or not. I know people hate hearing that, but the Saints value that a lot. And I think for Traquan, it's a different year. You know, last year you needed him to be a playmaker. You don't need him to be a playmaker this year. And look, there's a scenario where he could go to injury reserve if his injury is that bad and Kirk Merrick comes back. Look, there's options everywhere. They, they can bring back another guy. Deshaun Dixon's another person who's gotten cut um, and could return. But I'm curious. We'll do this real quick and then jump into the rest of the roster cuts, guys. But initial response, are you surprised Kirk Merrick got cut or is this kind of where you guys were leaning? Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah, I thought he could make it. I, I really did. But here's the other part of the coin. If a guy makes the 53-man roster, you can only carry 46 on game day. Is he even going to play? Or is he just going to be the perpetual inactive mm-hmm. every single day you know, or every single week? I feel like given where they're at in the running back room with solidified with Kamara, Ingram looks good, Tony Jones Jr. looks good, wide receiver position, Michael Thomas, again, dealing with the hamstring. He's, good. He's on track. He should be back for week one. You got Jarvis. You got Alave. You got Hardy, a guy that stretched the field. Where are you going to put Kirk Meredith? I, I guess that's the biggest thing for me is I, I felt like he probably could have made it just like Nephi Sewell could have made it. But, you know, these are guys that could potentially be back on the practice squad. Is Kirk Merritt going to win you a football game over somebody that gets touches like Thomas, Alave, Jarvis Landry? Probably not. And Kamara, those guys are going to get touches. I, I, I feel like they did what they had to do in that position. Um, you know, Merritt's a guy that I think was a training camp beast if you will, and he had good preseason games to, to back that up. Now he's an opportunity where he could get claimed by somebody else, and if not, I see him back on the practice squad. So I get it. I understand he's a guy that put in the work, hard work, hard decisions to make on this roster. I think Trevor Penning's issue had forced their hand a good bit. Not so sure that, you know, tomorrow we see, you know, obviously Penning go to IR. IR rules change this year. You can call him back. They have to miss at least four games. You can call them back twice this year, but you can only call back eight players this year too. So mm-hmm. I'd I see Penning being a guy that could obviously go to IR. That's no question about that. Traquan, he might go to IR too, but we'll see mm-hmm. because you're going to have to have him for miss four games. So maybe Merritt's a guy that you call out new practice squad rules. You can bring him up up to three times this year. So maybe that's how it kind of transpires. But, you know, for a guy to make the roster or get – upset about a guy that didn't make the roster that probably wouldn't be active for you on game day. I mean, you guys tell me, is, is that smart or is that something that we're just going to cling to? I just don't, I just don't see it. So uh, probably a time waster and I'll, I'll make my answer uh, pretty quick when it comes to, to Kirk Merritt. Uh, but before I do, I just want to give a shout out to Lloyd Riley because if uh, according to his comment, if CJ will be with Sean next year in Dallas, I will lose my damn mind. Um, uh, so keep the comments yeah not Dallas Uh, keep the comments and the questions coming we're going to get to those a little later as Chris continues to lead this conversation but um, look Kirk Merritt one reason and one reason only that I'll be upset and then I'll forget about it tomorrow I had him on my prediction and I wanted my 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 53-man roster prediction to be as accurate as possible and I put him on there for for you know the the hometown bias reason, of course, you know, uh, obviously a kid who thrived in, in high school at Destrehan and, um, and, and had a good, I think he had a really good training camp. I really do. And again, you've said this before on your podcast, Chris, 
um, you can have a great training camp. You can even stand out. But if the numbers don't fall the right way, it's just it's just a time that, hey, you might have a better opportunity somewhere else for a better team that's not as stacked at this, posi- at, at this position group. And so would it be great to have Kirk Merritt, a hometown guy on the team? Yes. Um, will we see him again playing for an NFL team and making a 53-man roster? I hope so, and I believe so, and I, and I, I wish him all the best. Yeah, and to that point, uh, Jack, that you mentioned it, if this was last year, he probably makes the roster, but oh, this yeah, is a totally yeah. different wide receiver room, and and which is good. I mean, this is great because you watch the preseason finale, and we're seeing drives where it's a pass to Olave, a pass to Jarvis Landry. We're like, okay, this is these are playmaking wide receivers that you need um, if you're going to compete. So, all in all, it's fine. I, I really, it, it stinks because you're rooting for a guy like Kirk Merritt, but I hope he lands on his feet. I think he will. Now, other moves that were made. Some of the big names, Ian Book getting released, Taco Charlton, John Bostic, uh, Eric Wilson was another big one. Lucas Kroll has been kind of a fan favorite more so because people like saying Kroll the Conqueror, but not really, you know, completely surprised that he did get released there. Um, it, look, I, I think that would be a great nickname. If he ends up getting big, I mean, he's got to start trademarking that. But, you know, out of all the, those names, I'd say, you know, Ian Book's a big one, although we're not surprised that he got cut, just more so a big name. Uh, and the Saints do have Dalton, Jameis, and, and Taysom as your emergency quarterback if needed. Something that did surprise people, though, I would say is kind of the way the linebacker room was handled, right? Hanson gets released, Bostic gets released, Sewell gets released, uh, and Zach Bond makes the roster. Are you guys surprised that that ended up happening? I, I, I'm one of those people that, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm on Twitter most of the day, so I know, and I, I'm going through what fans are looking at, and they are very surprised. And Zach Bond's such an interesting case, because I know the talent's there. It's just trying to figure out what's going on, but at least from my eye, just watching the preseason, I didn't see enough to say, okay, he's definitely on the 53-man roster. doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be, but you guys are there every day. You guys are watching practices. Did you guys see enough in practice to say it makes sense for him to be on the 53? John, what do you think? I mean, they, they love him on special teams. That's what I could tell you. And so uh, right now, the way the linebacker room is shaped out, here's, here's what everybody's got to remember. So Eric Wilson, John Bostick are vested veterans. So when you're f- formulating a practice squad – you can have 16 players. Six of those can be veterans. There is no waiver period for these guys. So guys like Lucas Kroll, Ian Book, Dejon Dixon, all these rookies and stuff, there is a waiver process. So if the Jaguars wanted to claim all four of those guys, they have number one waiver priority. They could claim them all if they wanted to. The Saints, I think, are 18th, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as far as where they're at in the waiver processing period. So they could put waivers on some of these guys, too. But if they clear waivers, then they're free game to return to the practice squad. And so mm-hmm. veterans like Nick Martin, I, I think they would be back on the practice squad, no problem. Guys like Eric Wilson, practice squad, no problem. Um, I, I think you float guys like Bond, they could potentially be a, a waiver processing guy. You know, that's somebody that may pick them up, right? And so I think those are the numbers. I, I was a little bit, the only concerning part I had was keeping Nick Vanette. I don't think he did anything in the training camp process to, to warn a roster spot. You know, I've, I've heard obviously things that they might've tried to trade him um, that could still be on the table. You know, that was probably more of a surprise to me, but it's also not because, you know, you asked Dennis Allen, Taysom Hill's not where he needs to be at tight end yet. And so those are things that we got to keep in mind for this roster and the way it's, it's made up. Nephi Sewell, again, he's a guy that looked good, throughout the process he came on late but you look at the chargers game he had moments to make the roster i mean he makes some of those tackles he's on the roster he didn't make them 
I mean, and I feel that this may be a good thing for Pete Warner and where he's at. Um, we'll have to see how it works out. I think Wilson is a guy that absolutely be back, brought back on the practice squad. But, you know, some of these guys in book just just couldn't put it together. Uh, I just things like that just happen. And, and I said it plenty on my roster predictions is just the way it looked at is that he was playing for a spot on the practice squad. And that's kind of where he's at. He just didn't do enough to make the final roster. Taysom Hill could take those roster spot or that those snaps at quarterback in emergency situations, if they needed to, um, you know, I talked to you, Chris Lewis kid was my dark horse. I think that only helped him out when Trevor Penny got hurt. So he gets in, I think that's not surprising to me, but you know, I don't think there's too many shock and awes there because they love Vaughn on special teams. They love those guys. They're going to make moves. The 53-man roster, the way it is right now, is not set in stone. There's going to be a lot of moving parts and pieces. We'll see IRR moves tomorrow. We'll see some waiver claim processing. Some of these guys that made it probably get cut. You know, those are things that just have to happen and in the course of shaping out the roster. And then you got the 16-man practice squad. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Andrew Dowell, and I don't mean to – to downgrade his talent by any means, but he's, he's on the team for special teams. Um, and so then if you take him out of the equation, you're looking at the linebackers who are confirmed to make the team as of right now. And again, we all know, as John explained very well, anything can happen with practice squad. We know only 46 can dress out and play uh, all these factors come into it. But when you're looking at 53 men roster pre- predictions and the announcements today um, with guys like John Bostic and Eric Wilson not making the team, right? Um, you look at those guys after Andrew Dowell, because Andrew Dowell is just a special teams guy, and you just have four people, Demario Davis, Pete Warner, Caden Ellis, Zach Bond. And Zach Bond doesn't stand out to me as a guy who, uh, how can I say this nicely, has a really high ceiling, okay? And so we, we did see, and I can, I can tell you, Chris, that we did see Pete Warner in the locker room. Uh, on on Monday, and so all signs are looking up for the dynamic duo of Demario Davis and and Pete Werner. Um, I was just surprised, and you mentioned this in your tweet that it's really just Caden Ellis as a, as a guy who can make a big impact after those two um, at the linebacker position. In my opinion, again, it's just my opinion. It's not, it's nothing that anybody said or did or or played bad. I just think those are really the only three. And so you look at that and you say, well, do you need second level defensive depth at the linebacker position? My answer would be, I think, yes. And my answer would be, I'm surprised that Eric Wilson, at least John Bostic came in late. I'm surprised that Eric Wilson didn't make that list instead of Zach Bond, because I thought Eric Wilson had a really good um, preseason game three. Yeah, all interesting points. And before we get into questions from people listening and, and um, for those listening right now, if you have more questions, drop them in. We'll get to them in about two, three minutes. Real quick, guys, if we'll go around the horn here. If you could take, let's say, one to two players that got cut by the Saints and you feel like, hey, I would love to secure them on the practice squad, who would they be for you and why? John, go first. Jack, let us know right after. Yep. Man, uh put me on the spot there. Um, you know, I, I think the only ones – if you look at the extra safeties, maybe Daniel Sorensen was a guy that I was like, it made it. I knew Justin Evans was a guy that I, I if he didn't make the roster, I, I know it even hearing Mickey talk during the broadcast is that he's making it tough on them. Maybe a Sorensen make the practice squad and a Vanette. Those are the two that made the roster. I feel like maybe you could have put them on a practice squad, but 
you know, um, those are veterans in the way that things roll on it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I feel like Lewis Kidd was a smart play on this one. Um, you know, I don't think there's really too many surprises here. Book is a guy that may come back on the practice squad, but then there's a lot of quarterbacks released. Guys like Tony Jefferson, a safety is a veteran right now that is going to be available. That's a guy that you that a lot of people are going to look at. Marlon Mack is another one. You know, people were talking about Kirk Merritt. You put a Marlon Mack or a, or a Sony Michelle on the roster, I'll take them over Kirk Merritt. I'm just saying, if you're looking at an upgrade at running back, um, I think Mack in particular is somebody. So those are things that happen throughout the course of the season, and there's so many players that get released and, and moved at this time. But, you know, just a couple off the top of my head if you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> Well, are there? Well, I'll put it this way: Are there any of the youngsters that got cut by the Saints, Dejon Dixon? Oh, the ones. Yeah, I probably <laughs> Dixon. Dixon for sure. Uh, I think Dejon Dixon is one. Uh, I think Demarcus Fields is another one that will come back on the practice squad. Um, I think as far as man, uh, other ones I'm trying to think of because the whole brain jello on it. Uh, I, I think Dixon is one. Fields is the other. Then you look at other guys. Sewell is another one I think is coming back on the practice squad, but Merritts would be another one too. So I think those are several that probably will. I'm sorry. I was going off a tangent that people that could have been cut that might've came back in the practice squad. It's been a long day, long week, all that fun stuff. So just, uh, I need my medicine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What about you? Is there a coffee too? So is the question guys who made, is the question guys who made the team? No, no. So, is there a, someone who got cut by the Saints that you'd say, hey, if they could get them on the practice squad, you feel maybe not, maybe not comfortable and say, oh, you want them to play and you need them to play during the regular season, but there is that comfortability, like, hey, they could maybe develop over time, like a, like a Dixon, like an Abram Smith, who's kind of yeah, a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Um, So I'll, you know, John actually gave me a, a friendly jab today in the in the media room when I asked him about, Lewis Kidd, because while I, I knew the name, I didn't, uh, you know, it's kind of like when people say, who is Olamide Zacchaeus, when the, or however you say his name, the wide receiver for the Falcons, like when he first came into the picture when the Falcons had no wide receivers, it's like, who the hell is this guy? And so it is kind of like, who the heck is Lewis Kidd? He's an offensive lineman, he's an undrafted free agent, and, you know, so John, I had to check myself and do some research, so I knew a little bit more about this guy who just made the Saints roster, you know, 6'6". 311 pounds, Montana State, undrafted free agent, and obviously did, according to the Saints O-lineman and Doug Marone, did enough or better than Nick Martin. So Nick Martin would be my answer to your question, Chris, is uh, Nick Martin, you know, he can he has the ability to play center, back up Eric McCoy in case of injury. Obviously, we know Cesar Ruiz can move to that position like he did last year. So Nick Martin, and then, again, as I've said before, Kirk Merritt, just because it would be cool to have a hometown guy on the on the on the roster who can who can play special teams and hey let's say a guy like Callaway or Traquan Smith you know uh, continue to be injured like Smith or Callaway gets injured you know maybe it'd be nice to have Kirk Merritt who can come in on a five wide receiver set yeah those are all all good picks so for the next 10 15 minutes guys we're going to take some of your questions so make sure you drop them in and we'll get to them we'll start with one that actually was in the chat before this live stream even started so I think it's fitting uh that we get into this one um how does this move, and I'm assuming they're talking about T.J. Garner-Johnson, affect the salary cap? Does it hurt at all? Do they make any room? Uh, I was looking it's at Garner-Johnson's number. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to swing this to John, but I was looking at Garner-Johnson's contract. I think it was only like $2.5 for the year. So does this really move the needle in terms of salary cap space? My guess would be no. No, it's not going to be anything crazy. I mean, you got to remember they go into the top 51 
you know, with the regular season and stuff. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a, a significant anything. It's not really going to benefit them some crazy way and the way things go with vets and stuff like that. There's roster guarantees, all this other stuff, but I, I, it's no, no penalties, nothing like that. There's no uh, huge financial benefit. That's going to be like, Oh man, now you can go do something crazy with it. I mean, it's a little bit of extra change, I guess, if you want to pose it that way. Yeah, certainly. It doesn't seem like that, you know, it's going to move the needle there. I, I can't, See how this would change much, but this is an interesting question. Does C.J. Gardner-Johnson get traded if Sean Payton's still the head coach? Uh, my guess for this, and I'm sure we're all probably in agreement, look, if it's the same situation, I don't know if the coach affects that much, right? Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis were very close. I'm sure they still are close. If they feel like it was the right move today with Dennis Allen, I wouldn't be that surprised if they felt it would be the right move with Sean Payton. Am I wrong for thinking that? No, I would agree. Jimmy Graham got traded. You know, and he, Jimmy was loved by everybody. Um, these things happen. I just never say never. And I think Sean still would have been in a position. Um, love the player, but you understand what happens. But, you know, I, I still think it could have happened if Sean was here. Yeah, I yeah. think the minute Jimmy Graham got traded back then is when, you know, growing up, I was like, okay. Anyone could get traded at any moment. Just be prepared. It's a business for a reason. But uh, this one's more for you two for sure. So let me know, uh, you know, answer this question for them. Who's taking left tackle snaps this week? I know you guys both reported Hurst was back, Landon Young's back. What's kind of been the situation at left tackle? Uh, today was Landon Young. Uh, James Hurst is around. So they, they weren't in pads or anything like that. They're just kind of in sweats. I mean, it's kind of casual and stuff. But Young was taking some left tackle reps. Um, and going back real quick, not to go on a tangent because we're kind of, I guess, playing rapid fire. But something about Lewis Kidd, I talked to him after the Packers game. So yeah. everybody's got to remember, he played a lot of interior. He didn't switch to left tackle until his last year at Montana State. Played 15 games for him there. He can play inside. He can play outside. They've been using him more at right tackle. He can play left tackle if they really needed him to. But, you know, he's a guy that when you look at versatility, offensive lineman, he plays a lot of positions. So uh, he's a guy that, you know, I, I think put on my radar that I, I really think can can evolve. And I think uh, I might even tell you, Chris, he reminds me a lot of Senio Kelamete when they had him. And just a guy that will play wherever he can. He's got to work a little bit on his pass pro, but, you know, he's self-aware and he's really taken to a lot of coaching. I thought he's had a, a really strong camp, and I'm not surprised he's made this team. I think one thing's certain. John Hendricks is a big fan of the kid. I mean, <laughs> Only big... UDFA to make the team, right? So, I mean, yeah. it, this is last year they didn't have any UDFAs that made the team. Um, so he's he breaks the streak, and it's an offensive lineman that they need. Yeah, and as far as left tackle go, I'll just add to this. I mean, John answered who who is taking snaps. Obviously, Landon Young, as we all know and hope, James Hurst is the starter at left tackle, and as we all know uh, and 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 hope for a quick recovery for Trevor Penning. Um, we've all spoken about his development and how that takes a takes a hit. You know, is his progress and his development is taking a small pause. Um, and Caesar Ruiz said today, uh, Chris, he told us, you know, he's tough. And, and he earned a lot of respect from the O-line room that he kept playing through that injury before it, you know, became evident that he needed to be, um, you know, taken off the field. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Penning, it hurts, was developing well. We'll see if he comes back, but we'll see. Landon Young and Hurst, we'll see if they can hold down the fort. Uh, this one, look, this one seems like a resounding no, but do we think MT will get put on IR? I, I think we could all be in agreement here. It, it should be a no. It seems like a minor hamstring injury. That's a should quick, be ready uh, for week one. 
I yeah. mean, he should be ready for week one. He just here's what you got to remember: the guy was rehabbing for the ankle, and the way he was going so hard, I, I don't think it's a surprise that his hamstring might have come up as a flare because of how hard he was going. I mean, this guy hasn't really played that kind of high level football in a long time. So I, I don't think it's an issue. And I, with Matt Rhea around, I'm not worried. He's going to be in the lineup week one. Yeah, I agree. He'll be ready. Yeah. And so fans probably shouldn't be panicking too much there. This is actually a really good question that people were talking about. And I think this will continue to be discussion. The saints cutting as many linebackers as they did. I think people thought maybe at least one of Sewell Wilson or Hanson makes this roster, but look, we talked about it before. This is going to be a very Demario Davis, Pete Warner dependent team. And if one of them goes down, we're going to hear about Quan Alexander and why the Saints didn't bring him back and what happened there. So overall, guys, are you surprised that that many linebackers got cut? I guess we'll kind of phrase it that way. I'll take I'll take that one first because I'm just really passionate about the, you know, I mean, and Dennis Allen said this uh, on Monday. He said, I'm just this week's so difficult because you see how hard these guys work and you know that every one of them wants to make the team, even if it is the practice squad, right? I mean, John said it perfectly when he said Nephi Sewell is his goal was to make the practice squad. I mean, put that into perspective when you look at jobs and workforce in general, his goal wasn't even to make the 53-man roster. And so we hope that he can be on that that step away, that, you know, that waiting room, if you will, that is the practice squad. Um, but but I was really surprised. And, and I, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. John Bostic and Eric Wilson stuck out to me as guys who could be in that linebacker room. And and if you take Bostic out because he came a little late to to the picture, um, then I, th- I I really think Eric Wilson could have been that guy. I do, I do like Chase Hansen. I like both him and Sewell. But at the end of the day, of the three you listed, Mac Oxford, I think Eric Wilson could be on this this roster and should be, but he's not. Yeah, I'm not surprised about Hanson. I mean, he came back, had the flash, then he got hurt. He just wasn't around. You got to be available. I mean, that's a big deal. Sewell, again, uh, I had him on my final 53, but, again, the Chargers game, that was just before the Chargers came. If he makes those tackles, he doesn't miss them. If he gets Mm. those, I think he was on. That's a tough one. Eric Wilson's the one to me, I feel like, but I I understand that. This is a guy that you say, okay, we're going to cut you, but I understand that we want to bring you back. we got to make some other roster moves. I think he busted his tail whole camp. I think he would be a starter with Demario Davis if Pete Warner is out. So they believe a lot in Caden Ellis, and he's done a lot of growing up this year. He's more of your Sam guy. He has worked a lot on different things. He's a great run stopper, does a lot of different things for this team, and especially as opposed to just you know special teams. But uh, I think Wilson would be the guy that absolutely would be back. Sewell. He's got to pass through waivers. I think he plays extremely passionate and, and he's just a smaller guy that plays with, you know, plays his heart out. And so uh, Wilson was the only real big surprise. I thought he would have made this team. And to your yeah, point we- really quickly, Chris, I, I just wanted to say um, the, the, the Quan Alexander talk, I think that's, that's if to John's point, if um, Caden Ellis doesn't step up in that role and if we don't somehow get Eric Wilson back, or a guy like Eric Wilson who can make an impact if Pete Werner goes down, then the Quan Alexander conversation is kind of warranted, you know, from from the Saints fan base. It is okay to, I think, say, um, damn, maybe we shouldn't have gotten, you know, we shouldn't have gotten rid of Quan Alexander. But again, you got to work with what you have. And I just think what we had was a good guy and a good backup in Eric Wilson. So that that stinks. 
Yeah, look, trust me. The Quan Alexander thing will be a conversation among <laughs> Saints Twitter, I would say, for the whole Never season. And it's, and it's understandable. This is a, a hometown favorite, so I understand why. Now, this First isn't more back so, my linebacker. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's going to be a thing. This isn't more so, do we think this is going to happen? But I guess we'll pose it as a hypothetical. Would you guys be intrigued by the idea of the Saints maybe looking at a guy like O.J. Howard who was cut does have athleticism, does know the NFC South well, does also know Jameis Winston well. We're not going to say if this is happening because the Saints did keep four tight ends on their roster, but do you guys, <laughs> you guys be intrigued by this idea? I'll say it. Yeah, go ahead, John. I, I would. I mean, I do believe that Jawan Johnson's made a huge leap. I think Adam Troutman's made a huge leap this year. Um, Taysom Hill, that's the only question mark I have is just being that DA said, I don't think he's totally ready just yet. Nick Vanette. I just I think you could get some more upside, but again, they, he was cut for a reason. This is what we got to remember with some of these guys. They were cut for reasons. I like the fact that when T- Jameis was in Tampa, that OJ Howard and Cameron Brait were a top pair. Um, yeah. You know, I think they at least do their due diligence, and this is where the scouting player personnel. This is where it all comes in. So, uh, you know, look, never say never. I think Kroll is a guy that you could develop, but you know, do you want him or do you want OJ Howard? Because I don't think you're going to get both. My answer, my answer is a little different than John's, and I, I might take some backlash for this, but I am a big believer in Taysom Hill. I think a guy who comes from the quarterback room and makes that sacrifice to play tight end, I think he can be – I mean, again, I'm going to get some backlash. I think he can be a top tight end in the NFL this year. And and I say that because, uh, you know, he he – wasn't prepared to come in at quarterback last season. He won a couple games. He's never been prepared for um, for the role that that Sean Payton has thrown at him since he got here. And he probably wasn't prepared to make this decision and, and this move to tight end. And I think once you give him a couple weeks to prepare, which he's had those weeks to prepare as a tight end, I think he's really going to stand out and su- surprise some people. And he's the only tight end I drafted on my fantasy football team. And he's projected to get two points in week one. And I think he's going to score a touchdown. So. Hey, it's it's bold, but uh, I'm sure Saints fans would absolutely love that. So but I don't think we need OJ Howard. I think we're good with the four we have. I don't I don't disagree there. I think for the Saints, look, if Michael Thomas is ready to go, you got three great receivers. You got a great receiving running back. Adam Troutman, I believe, will step up a little bit this year. You don't need, necessarily need him. It is an intriguing idea, though. OJ Howard's always been a very intriguing talent. Last question, real quick, before we wrap things up. And as always, guys, thank you so much for leaving your comments um, and and you know concerns in the in the chat. We'll kind of two-part this together. Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. Adebo's been out of practice the past couple of days. Do we think they'll be ready for week one? You know, it's tough to say right now with the way this week's gone for Adebo. Uh, but, John, what do you think, Jack? Then follow up. Yeah, I I would think so. Um, you know, you got to remember they're going to be having this time until September 11th is the first game. So, you know, we'll get more insight uh, at game week if they're available, I think that they'll be ready. I've asked about the Adebo injury. I haven't heard anything uh, particular. So, you know, again, I think some of the, the, the ways he's not there, you jump the gun and all that stuff. But, you know, I'd say this, you don't trade CJ Gardner Johnson and have a, a vision for Roby or anything. If, if something serious with Paulson Adebo or Taylor, um, that's just my two pennies that you wouldn't have made this move if there was a, something serious there. Yeah, I, I apologize for pronouncing. Is it Nephi or Nephi? Nephi. It's Nephi. Nephi. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I butcher that name all the time. Look, I'll get it right if I ever have to say well, it. Well, I said Nephi until it was actually Eric Wilson who told us it was pronounced Nephi. 
We have been saying it Nephi the whole time, but it is Nephi. Sura. Right, Nephi, right? Like, it's like, like it's not, uh, and I put it in here, it says instead of, uh, you look at Pinay, it's Pinay, like Pinay Pasta, not Penny Sewell. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I remember. Well, Sharif Ishak of WDSU said, my Nephi hurts today. <laughs> you know, so that's how he remembers how to say it. Because if your knee hurts, uh, that's how you say it, Nephi. Okay, but anyway, uh, to, to that question, I love these comments, by the way. Uh, they're yeah. great, and they, they keep us going. They, they, they mean a lot to us when y'all smash that like button. Uh, for Buker Media. So, uh, look on the on the Adibo thing. I think uh, I think he's going to be a standout player, and and I'm not too worried about the injury. So that's that's my short answer. Yeah, look, I, I think look if he's in there, we'll we'll be fine. It'll be an interesting thing. Now, before we wrap it up, I just want to actually not answer a question, but someone said, "Are you guys bringing drinks for this podcast?" Because <laughs> it's crack open beer. or not, but it doesn't hurt to Ooh. always in. So. Enjoy some Maker's Mark responsibly if you guys want today. But (laughs) that's going to do it for us here on this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. John, Jack, thank you so much for joining. It's been a blast talking football with you guys. And for everyone that left comments, thank you so much. With the season coming up, we're going to have live shows way more often, especially before and after each Saints game. It's going to be a really, really fun season. We'll see what happens. But enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night, everyone. And stay tuned for Boot Crew Media and Straight Up Saints for more content and the place and destination for the Houdat Nation. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.